Welcome to the Appalachian Folklore Podcast presents Stories from the Cabin, a storytelling podcast within a podcast featuring tales from the countries and cultures whose people make up the diverse region we know as Appalachia. I'm your host, Aaron Bobbitt. Hey folks, welcome to the first installment of Stories from the Cabin, a monthly storytelling podcast where I will be telling tales from throughout Appalachia and from around the world. I'll be releasing these episodes on the 15th of every month. The tales I tell will relate to the episode released on the first of the month. I put the question out on Twitter maybe a week or so ago asking if I should stick to mainly Appalachian tales or since Appalachia is a very diverse region, more diverse than than most people realize, would it be appropriate for me to tell stories from around the world, from cultures whose people have immigrated into Appalachia and have made Appalachia what it is today? The resounding feedback I got was, absolutely, you should tell tales from around the world, which I was kind of leaning towards anyway, because I have hundreds of books in my library that are just sitting here full of stories. And much like the rest of you, I collect the books and then don't read them for a long time because I'm working on four or five other books simultaneously. So I figured it was also a good way to crack open some of these books and tell the tales that have just been sitting here for, I mean, I don't even know how long I've had some of these books. They just kind of have their own magical way of multiplying. So without any further delay, we'll get into this month's story. The tale I'm telling today is Moonshining Days. Stories from James Speed's Life Making Illegal Liquor, from Travels with Foxfire, Stories of People, Passions, and Practices from Southern Appalachia, by Phil Hudgens and Foxfire student Jessica Phillips. James Earl Speed was born on July 24, 1952, at Rabin County Hospital, one of the six children, four boys and two girls, of J.P. Pick and Mary Grace Cobb Speed. He started working when he was no taller than a baseball bat. He dug worms to fill Prince Albert tobacco tins and got a nickel for each can. His grandmother, Amanda Norton Speed, kept his money in a drawstring tobacco bag. Later, he shucked corn and worked in the cornfields and then at a nearby sawmill. Money wasn't easy to come by. Life was hard, but happy, he said. By the time he was in sixth or seventh grade, Speed was helping his daddy at The Place, where moonshine was manufactured and jugged. He and Donnie Ray, one of his brothers, made $30 each one summer, cutting up wood for the boiler with a bow saw and hiding the limbs so that spotter planes looking for the stills wouldn't see them. Sometimes in the fall, they'd work at night and then go to school the next day. We worked hard, like I'm doing today, Speed says, and contrary to belief, Daddy didn't make moonshine all the time. He made it in certain times of the year, in the spring and the fall, when the temperature was right for working the beer or mash. At other times, Speed's father tilled the land, growing corn, potatoes, and other crops. He also worked for Burlington Industries in Clayton, drove a school bus, worked for Pontiac Motors, and did other jobs. Everybody in the family was expected to do his or her part, and Pick Speed set the standard. If you're going to do anything, he said often, do it right. As for making moonshine, he said this, Boys, let me tell you something. You wouldn't put off on another man what you wouldn't drink yourself. Daddy Speed wasn't a drinking man, but he sold plenty and it all went to one man, a taxi driver in Clayton. He bought everything Daddy made, James Speed says. He bootlegged it out from the business in Clayton. Us boys would load stuff on his taxi cab, and he'd pay us, and he was gone. When Speed got to high school, he wanted to play football. 
His daddy said that was okay as long as his chores were done. Many times, Speed followed football practice with milking two cows, feeding 25 hogs, and cutting wood for the cook stove. On Fridays, he would walk to the game, play four quarters as a nose guard. We won, most of the time, and then walk home to do his chores. Young people today are pampered, he says. They got a Camaro, and Mama and Daddy are buying the gas, and they can't make it, he says, his piercing, dark eyes glaring out from under the bill of his camouflage cap. I understand we're living in a different age, but hard work got me in condition for playing. After graduating from high school, Speed and his buddies liked to attend local football games, and sometimes they took along a little libation for halftime. One game, he and his brother Johnny transported a gallon of peach brandy, fresh from the still. I don't know why we took a gallon, but we did, Speed says. Well, Johnny took him a drink, and then I said, Now you watch out. I'm going to take me a drink. I got down there, and about that time I heard something go click, click. There stood Chester York, county sheriff, in uniform, with his sidearm, a thirty-eight in his hand. I caught you, didn't I, boys? The sheriff said. Then he said, Go ahead and take you a drink. So I did. He said, Now you hold the gun on me while I take a drink. The sheriff didn't press any charges. In fact, the boys poured him up a quart to take with him. James and Johnny eventually ventured out on their own, figuring they could make more money if they did the manufacturing and the selling. Word got around that their product was top quality. After all, they learned from the master, their daddy, who followed a family recipe religiously, and they received an offer to make for other guys, other moonshiners, for $600 a week. That was good money back in them days, the 1960s, Speed says. Before saying yes, the brothers sought advice from Daddy. Boys, he said, if you're going to take a chance in life, do it for yourself. Don't do it for nobody else. So they did it for themselves. James Speed and Petite Gail Patterson were married on August 12, 1972. He was 19, she was 16, and he went to work for her daddy, a moonshiner in the Persimmon community. He did the making. Daddy-in-law Richard Lamar Pat Patterson did the selling. I stayed in the woods all the time, Speed says. I'd come in, throw a wad of money on the bed to Gail. She knew what to do with it, and I was back in the woods. Did Gail Speed ever worry about James being off in the woods making moonshine? No, but then I was raised in it. I didn't see anything wrong with it. I thought they were just going to work. Speed was arrested only once, while delivering, and charged with transporting non-tax paid liquor. He was sentenced to 12 months. He served only four and was fined $500. He never had to pay. If a covey of quail ain't shot into, and this is documented, if it ain't shot into, they'll all die because they get careless. If they're not afflicted from time to time, the foxes and everything else will get them. Now, here's the moral of the story. If you don't get your tail feathers dusted from time to time, you'll get careless. James Speed wasn't one to get careless though he did get nervous a few times. But making moonshine in the woods was exhilarating. You're out there one frosty morning right after the crack of day, and all of a sudden, somebody jumps out of the bushes and says, Hold it right there! ATF! It's federal officers and their friends. You talk about a butt pucker, he says. Now you'll get one. Fortunately for the Speed Boys, that didn't happen at the place. But it could've. James Speed says only he and Donnie Ray could do the proofing, getting the alcohol content to a proper level often by cutting it down with water, preferably good, soft spring water. You either got it or you don't have it, Speed says of proofing prowess. Brother Mike was never good at working the still, although he is a talented man who can repair anything. If you pin him down, Speed will admit to making a full-time living from moonshine for about four years, 
Everything since that time was a hobby, making something for friends. Besides, making moonshine wouldn't be fun anymore now that you can get a license in Georgia and other states and make it legally and pay taxes on it. Speed doesn't think highly of government-sanctioned moonshine. Anytime the government runs their hands in something, it's not going to come out right. The white lightning isn't as good. Dwight Bearden of Delonga, Georgia disagrees. An illegal distiller himself for many years, Bearden has been running moonshine legally at a distillery in Tennessee. This is the highest quality of liquor that you'll find, he says. When I was in the woods, I had to run more just to survive. But legal moonshine is pulled from the middle of the run, he says, cutting down on the amount of liquor used and improving the overall quality. Whichever is better, legal moonshine or the backwoods variety, Cheryl Wood, owner of a legal distillery in Dawsonville, Georgia, agrees with James Speed's father about the quality. Her grandfather, the late Simi Free, a moonshiner from Tiger, Georgia, wouldn't sell anything that he wouldn't drink himself, she says, when that's how she wants to run her distillery. Much of the legal liquor, just like her grandfather's, is made the old-timey way. Just good corn with no sugar. Trouble is, it's hard to find good corn nowadays, Speed says, because it's all crossed up. Some of Speed's customers of the past were a bit crossed up, too, after drinking too much of what looks like water but packs a punch like a heavyweight boxing champion. It don't take much, he says. It's like brill cream. A little dabble, do you? He tells about some guys at the Highlands Country Club in Highlands, North Carolina, who wanted a few snorts to take with them on a round of golf. Being inexperienced drinkers of moonshine, they put the stuff on ice. A bad move, because cold accelerates the potency, according to Speed. They didn't make the 18 holes that day, he says. A man Speed calls Barry the Brit, a frequent visitor to the Blue Ridge Mountains, took a jug of Speed's shine back to the mother country for his friends to try. Some of these fellows often took a break from work to enjoy a hunk of cheese and a glass of scrumpy, cider that originated in the west country of England. But after a couple of drinks of Raven County moonshine one day, they didn't make it back to work. Where did you get this stuff? Speed says, mimicking Barry's friend in his best British accent, punctuated with North Georgia twang. I got it from this bearded guy over in America who hides in the forest over there, and he makes the stuff, was Barry's answer. Wow, one of the workers responded. We've got to move to America. The stories are funny, and there are many more of them, but Speed knows that headache and trouble can be alcohol's closest relatives. Speed himself abused the stuff at one time. He became a Christian. I was saved in 1971, he says, but then he fell away from the church. He remained a Christian, but he was only ankle-deep in the faith. I had an uncle I couldn't stand, he says. I'd have to get drunk to stand him, but finally the Lord showed me there ain't no future in this. So he got me off the stuff. His life has been changed ever since. I was a binge drinker, he says. The longest drunk I was ever on was three days, and I drank myself sober, if you can believe that. I didn't have no hangover or nothing, but I don't want to think about them days. That was in 1978 or 79, and his son and daughter never knew him as a drinker. He's thankful for that. Speed grew up in the War Woman community, and it was War Woman people and members of Pleasant Hills Baptist Church who took him and his family in and forgave them. I wasn't a really bad person, I guess, he says, but I'd done my part, and I give these folks a lot of credit. A lot of them are laying up here in the cemetery. I wouldn't be here today as a deacon at church if it wasn't for them. More than 30 years as a deacon, and I've taught Sunday school even longer than that. I'm not saying there's much wrong with moonshine. The old moonshiners were some of the finest people that you'll ever meet in your life back in that day. They had their own recipe, but they always done it right. 
Moonshining was both bad and good, he says. It was bad because the product sometimes was abused. We wouldn't sell it to anyone we knew shouldn't have the stuff. It was good because it put food on the table. Speed doesn't apologize for his moonshining days, although he's not proud of everything that went on. It's not what goes in a man that defiles him, he says, quoting scripture. It's what comes out. He believes in moderation in all things. It's all right to keep a little white lightning around for medicinal purposes, he says. That was all my grandfather had for medicine, that and bare aspirin. And you could throw the aspirin out the door if you had the other. The conversation returns to his daddy. Nobody owes you anything in this life, Pick Speed told his son. Get off your hind end and go get it. Daddy said you use this head for something besides a place to hang your ears on. You always went to him for advice. Daddy died in 2011, so now it's the son handing out pretty much the same advice, plus a lot more. Memories and stories live on after a man dies, and they're all important to James Earl Speed, a paradoxical fellow who broke the law but who preaches forgiveness and redemption as chairman of the Board of Deacons. We can't escape our past, he says. We're forgiven for it, but we've been there and done that. I thought that was an appropriate tale, being that I'm a professional liquor maker here in North Carolina. I wanted to thank everyone one more time for reaching out to me via social media and email to say how much they enjoyed the first episode of the Appalachian Folklore Podcast. I hope these tales and stories I tell on the 15th of every month are enjoyed just as much. If you guys have any stories you think I should read, go ahead and send them to me, appfolklorepod at gmail.com or appfolklorepod on any social media platform. I'd love to hear your stories and I'd love to retell them here on the show. Until next time, y'all be good. Thanks for spending your time with me here at the Appalachian Folklore Podcast. If you'd be so kind as to like, review, and subscribe to this show on whichever platform you use, I'd greatly appreciate it as it helps spread the word. And after all, isn't that what folklore is about? You can find the Appalachian Folklore Podcast on social media at appfolklorepod. You can also email me with questions, comments, corrections, stories, recipes, etc. at appfolklorepod at gmail.com. And you can visit my website, shows.acast.com AFP. Thanks to Jonathan Ochoa for the Appalachian Folklore Podcast cover art. The intro music is Stillness by Riviel. The outro music is I Can See the Sky by All Severed Lake. You can find all citations to the references mentioned in this episode in the show notes. Thanks again for listening.